Good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our podcast listeners as well. Um, we are uh, wrapping up a, a series where we go through our four follower statements, and today we're, we're talking about sharing what you know and the fact that we're supposed to love sharing what you know. I know this last week has been difficult uh, for many people for many different reasons, um, some of what's going on and the government, some of what's going on, just local personal stories. I just want to share this with you as we open up. I posted this on social media earlier this week. This world is broken, yet God. We long for a better world. It is coming. We long for healing. He is our healing. So how are we to face this world? How do we have hope? We look to the cross. The Father, He sees us. The Father weeps with us. The Father is saving us to a new life where there will be no more pain. So as a result, we have hope. No matter what happens today or tomorrow or in the days to come, we do not have hope in government, pastors, or even ourselves. We have the hope that the Father is who He says He is. And He is. And He is worthy. I don't know what this last week has been for you. And I know uh, many people who've had a a Me Too moment have had a difficult week. And I want to say I'm sorry. I know many people in this uh, room have had other circumstances that have been difficult. And I want to say I'm sorry. But good news, Christian, this is not our home. God is here. And he will love you. So I don't know what the government's going to do. It doesn't matter. It does matter. But what ultimately matters is God is in control. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for how you love us. I thank you for the peace in the middle of troubling times. I thank you for the good testimonies and the good stories. I thank you for how you love us and how you care for us. God, I pray for healing for those who have open wounds. God, I pray for your protection. I pray for your restoration. God, I pray most importantly that you do something mighty, a miraculous revival through our land and let it begin here and now. May you show us what it means to live for you. In your name we pray, amen. So we've talked about the follower statements. Uh, In case you're new, our main statement around here is that we are followers making followers of Jesus. And sometimes we want to help articulate what that means. So we've come up with the four sub-follower statements, which are located out there on the wall as well. And the idea of followers follow Jesus, followers serve God and others, followers give sacrificially. And today we're talking about followers share what they... And throughout this whole series, we've been understanding this idea that when we share, we are to share in love. I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's very few people who share love anymore. It seems like you can't say anything without someone telling you, you're wrong. You can't, you can't go, ah, you know. And, and what, it doesn't seem to matter if it's preachers or, or just the random guy on the street or the random lady on the, the street. You, you run into people and they're always mad. Maybe it's because we haven't learned what love is. Maybe through the course of time, we've forgotten what it looks like to be loved. And that's important because as we are to share what we know, we are to share what we know with love because without it, we have nothing. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, it says, If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. This is huge. It it has ginormous implications for the church, because the church should be defined by love. In other words, the follower statements, as followers serve God and others, if they don't do it in love, it says here that, that you're doing nothing. If you do great acts in the name of God, but you don't do it in love, you are doing nothing. So what do we think about that? How do we articulate that? And and where do we go with that? I I want us to look at at an interesting verse, because when we talk about sharing what we know, a lot of times this is kind of the idea of what we think. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. So when people are talking about sharing what they know, they usually think of kind of like these three, two, three things. And I, and I want to explain to you why they're important. They are important, but why they're going to come to an end. And then I'm going to wrap it back up to with how love should speak through all of them, okay? So the three things that will come to an end. First, prophecies. This is what most people think of when they think of sharing what you know. And prophecies defined by the Bible.org is a speaking forth prophetic declarations, exhortations, warnings uttered by the prophets while under divine influence and referring either to the past, present, or future. It's the person who says, God said. Now, not everybody's called to be a prophet. Aren't you glad? But here's the thing. A prophet is like a heralder. And a heralder, if you don't know, is not the guy named Harold, past tense. A heralder is the person who heralds another person's message. So when people around here pray, Lord, may Daniel speak your words, that's the point. These aren't supposed to be my words, because what I'm doing right now is trying to proclaim, I'm trying to speak prophecy, I'm trying to share what God says. And if I say what God says and interpret Daniel Berry's version of that, that's dangerous. So with fear and trepidation, I stand up in here every week going, God, may they be your words because I don't want to be my words because I'm no longer a heralder. I'm no longer prophesying. I'm doing something that is against what that is. Does that make sense? Now here's the problem. I am a human. I almost said I is human to, to make the point, but some of you were like, your skin crawls whenever I do that. I make mistakes. And that's why we have to go back to God's word over and over again and trust that what I'm trying to teach us is of God. But prophecies will one day end. Why? Because this life will end. And prophecies will one day cease. And so when I'm being prophetic, what I'm trying to get you to understand is the point of the prophecy is not to say I'm right and you're wrong. The point of the prophecy is to point you to Jesus. And anything that doesn't point you to Jesus is not prophetic. So let me help you understand this. If someone comes to you and, and does things in a way that doesn't point people to Jesus, and in other words, they don't include love because the Bible says God is love. God equals love. So if they don't do it, love can be discipline. I discipline my child, but I don't love doing it. But I love my child, so I discipline them. There's a difference there, right? But if, if we sit there and someone starts their tweet or their, their, their sermon, listen here, morons, right? Spoiler alert, that's not prophecy. 
If someone starts going on their high horse and telling everybody, you're wrong, and I'm right, and you're wrong, it's not about you. The person who doesn't intentionally point and sometimes provoke in love for the point of a person coming closer to God, it is not prophecy. And you need to know that. So when we follow Jesus, the point of prophecy is to help people to see Jesus. And one day, that will end. Why? Because one day we will stand before our God. And there won't be any need to tell what God says. You can just ask Him. Fair enough? The next one, let's get a little more controversial. Tongues. Tongues will cease. Now, tongues have the definition and the interpretation of tongues. Some of you are very excited because you think I'm going to get all controversial here. I'm going to kind of take the middle road. I'm just going to be spoiler alert here. Uh, we, get, we get excited because the denominations have split over the interpretation of tongues. Here's the definition of tongues as it's described by the Bible.org. The language used by a particular people in distinction from other languages. It serves to designate people of various languages. Now, you could go to this chapter after what we're talking about in 13. You can go and you can argue that there's different understandings of tongues. But here's the point. The purpose of tongues is so that other people can hear of the greatness of God in a language they can hear. Whether or not that's a holy language or whether or not that's the ability to go and speak other international languages, we can argue over. But the point is, if it doesn't help people find Christ— it's not tongues. Do you get it? So if you go around going, I can speak in tongues, <laughs> that's not tongues. Because you're not helping people find Christ. Let me give you a practical example of this. I had a student named Taylor. Taylor went to Africa. Taylor did not know anything about the language. It was a remote tribe, and it was an unusual language. And within two days, Taylor was speaking to them in their language. And we were like, Taylor, how are you doing this? He goes, I have no idea. I just sort of picked it up real quick, and now I can talk to him. He goes, it kind of shocked me. Taylor has the gift of tongues. Now, we can once again argue about whether or not there's a holy language, but we're not going to do that today, because the point of any of this stuff that we like to argue over is we want to argue because we want to be right, and it's not the point of what we should be about. What we should be about is pointing people to Jesus. And one day, the purpose of sharing in tongues is to allow people to hear how good and how great our God is. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every creature on the earth should hear of the greatness of God. And one day that will cease. Why? Because we will be before the Father and He will speak to us. In what language? I have no idea. But I know you won't, He won't need your tongue to communicate to them how good He is because He's going to be right there. Fair enough? Third one. Send your angry emails to Trevor. Okay. Third one. Um, knowledge. Knowledge will cease. Isn't that funny when we think of knowledge? That it will cease. And around here, we, we really harp on this one because it's share what you... You hear the word know in knowledge. So not everybody should be prophetic. Not everybody's going to be able to speak in other tongues. If you speak English, guess what language you should speak in? English. Why? Because you're around English people. If you speak in other languages, great. We English people need to learn more languages. Truth be told. I'm just, that's a little soapbox. But um, the reality is, use the language God has given you to speak, okay? 
And when you do that, what you want to, you're trying to do is share the knowledge you have. Now, everybody can share their knowledge. Why? Because knowledge defined is the knowledge of God, such as offered in the gospel. In other words, God is love. God is for you. God is for me. And God, in his mercy, sent his son. The father sent his son, Jesus, to die for you and for me. And he lived a perfect life, and you can have an intimate relationship with him. That's the word intimate. It's gnosis there. It's the intimate relationship. It's the spiritual, intellectual, physical, emotional connection that we are able to have with God himself. It's not about God is this distant person. It's that I know God. I know what I know about God because I'm in a relationship with him. I live with him. I breathe with him. He is alive in me in the form of the Holy Spirit, and he comes out, and I can share what I know about him because I have interacted with God and he's changed me. Every single one of us can do that in love. Now, here's the hard part. It says knowledge will end. Knowledge, our, our understanding of God will end? No. Our lack of understanding of God will end. So we will no longer need to share the knowledge of him. Because one day we will know all there is to know. And that, for the Christian, is the Christian version of our wedding day, we get to go before God and know him for the rest of our life. We get to spend the rest of our life in the presence for millions and millions and billions of years. And so all of these, he says, are important. It's important that we have prophets who proclaim this is what the word of the Lord says. It's important that we take the, the word of God to, to many different languages. It's important that we know God, that we as average people in the seat, in the pews, we don't have pews here, but in the seat on Sunday morning are able to articulate what God is doing to us and we share it in love. Because our relationship with God will never end. Love never ends. All those other things will end. But love never does. So here's what he says in verses 9 through 13. For we know in part... And we prophesy in part. In other words, we, we do our part right now because we don't know everything. But when the perfect comes, the next life, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. In other words, I may not know all there is to know. I may not be able to share all there is to share. But one day, I will do that. And as I grow in this earth, I become to know more about who God is. I have more to share. I'm no longer doing childish things. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. No, these three things remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. You know why we struggle in this world is we want to be known. I want someone to know me and to look into my life and to say, I love you unconditionally, no matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter who I say I am. I want someone to, to declare to me, Daniel Barry, you are mine, and you will always be mine, and I love you. It's not the performance you have to give. It's not the, the way that you have to handle yourself in these situations. It's not even how good you preach on Sunday mornings. I want you to know that I love you. And God says, child, I love you. I fully know who you are. I know you. And as you know me, you will know how much I love you. And so this is our call. To receive the love. And to share it. So why don't we? Because we become adults. 
It's, wait, it's, you just said as a child, I grew up into mature. Yeah, but was, many of us never matured. You know why? We've never really taught ourselves how to love. Think about it when you were a kid. When you're growing up and you began to learn that the world was not as loving as you thought it would be. And the first time mom said, well, you may not want to go hang out with that person. They're not a good person. The first time that you went over here, you went over there, the first time that, that someone betrayed you or stabbed you in the back, maybe it was on a date. The first time someone disappointed you and you started closing yourself off because you, you know that to give love means you're vulnerable and someone along the line stabbed you in the heart and so you started putting up walls and you stopped loving like you should because you didn't want to be hurt. God understands. But I, I want to challenge us this morning to bring back our innocence of childhood. To get excited about our relationship again. Just like when I, I first started dating my wife, you know, I've used this illustration before. When I started dating my wife, no one had to tell me, hey, you should probably tell people you're dating someone. Right? It's like, I don't even know you. Guess what? I'm dating someone. Yeah, me. Someone dating me. <laughs> She's awesome. And I want everyone to know I'm in a relationship. I mean, if Facebook had been out then, it would have been all over I, I, we, no one has to go and tell you that when you're excited about a relationship, you go, I am in love. 20 years later, I don't do that. You all would think it a little weird if I did. But the reality is sometimes I have to remind myself, I'm still in love and I need to still express it. The routine becomes where love becomes a ritual instead of something you truly give yourself to. And the sad part is, when we do that, we miss out on love. Because when you share love, you understand more about love. And as you give love away, you find more love. And so I want to challenge this morning to understand that a mature follower of Christ lives or his or her life based on the qualities of faith, hope, and love. Not on a list of rules, not on how often you show up, but that you share love. And I want to invite us to go back to a place where we understand what that looks like. I want to share a video with you this morning. This video is um, a little boy named Scout. And a Scout is the son of Amy Jo and Daryl Girardier. I know how to say that name because it was the first wedding I officiated and it made me very nervous that their last name was Girardier. I can spell it for you if you really want. You don't care. So, um, but in this video, I, I think you see a wonderful picture of what it means to teach the children how to love. And I hope through this video you see it through adult eyes that are, go back to your childhood and learn a little bit about love. Scout. This is my story. Every day when I come from my school, I um, check the mailbox if we have any prayer requests and if anybody just walked by and put them in. I put a prayer box in front of the house so people could give me their prayer requests. 
put them in a prayer box and show no if anyone needs to get a prayer. People tell me when they're sick, when they're holding, or just need some encouragement. I take the prayer class and I pray with my mom and dad. I hope these prayer requests give me the chance to talk to others about Jesus. Now, AJ wrote this this last week. Our prayer box has been a blessing to our family. That our neighbors would entrust us with their prayers and invite us to pray has been so special. And I can tell you from the beginning, it wasn't so easy. There were some who were like very skeptical and it, it didn't exactly take off. But now they're, they're known as the family who will pray for the families in the neighborhood. And, and they look at Scout and they go, that kid is praying for me. And to see this guy taking the task on to pray is so neat to see. We pray for him daily as well as those who can't wait to see what God has done with his heart and with his brothers as well. Uh, then he, she followed up a couple of days later, guys, I need a prayer for the prayer box. This weekend, one of the prayer box prayers from our neighbor changed from focusing on her fight for cancer to praying for those that are grieving for her loss. Those are the times when we pray and our heart breaks. Join me in praying for our neighbors who lost their mom to cancer in our neighborhood who has lost a friend. And you might sit there and go, what a tragic thing for that little boy to see and go through. To what I would say is, he's learning love. You see, love is not an event. We're going to go to serve Sunday today, some of us. We're going to go out and do an event. Great. Love is not an event. It's an action that perpetuates into a relationship that accepts the good and the bad. It's sitting with the grieving widow and rejoicing with the guy who got the promotion or the lady who got the promotion. It's rejoicing in the new relationship and agonizing on the one that split apart. It's decrying injustice while celebrating when there is just in this world. It's showing that we care, and the only way we know how to share that we care is through what God has done for us. We don't love because we have been bruised and battered. We don't share what we know because we've been taught to risk sharing love within others means risk of attack belittlement, hatred, and jealousy. But God. You see, this world is not about this world. Dr. Moore recently said there's two goals that every parent should have for their children. The short-term goal is what you want them to be like in 70 years from now. Think about it. The short-term goal is what you want them to be in 70 years from now. The long-term goal is what you want them to be in 70 billion years from now. And both involve love. I'm wondering if we could teach ourselves again today and risk to step outside of our comfort zone to love those that are difficult to love, to love those that don't look like us and talk like us and walk like us and are a different socioeconomic status than us, who have a different skin color than us, who have a different political view than us. 
you do realize God is not a Republican or a Democrat, and all God's people should say, thank you. God is just. And while the government in this world will fail us, God never will. Why? Because God is love. So here's our Monday morning application for this week. Challenge yourself and or your family to find a unique way to share love with your neighbors. And if you're a farmer, you can find a a neighbor four miles away. You can find someone you work with. You can find a school whatever, and take the opportunity to share with them the love of Christ. Be creative, just like Amy, Joe, and Daryl did with their son. But some of you are sitting there going, I, I, I'm not creative, so give me some hope and help and ideas. And I want to give you some uh, ideas, but you can take it beyond these ideas, okay? Let me give you some ideas. Invite a neighbor over for a meal and bring up Jesus in the conversation. Which neighbor? The one that you don't want to invite. Don't tell them that. I didn't really want to invite you, but the pastor on Sunday told me to invite the person I least like you wanted, and well, it's a coin flip, and you won. Do a random act of kindness, mow a lawn, bake a pie, etc. If you're going to do it anonymously, I appreciate that, but make sure you talk about Jesus while you're doing it. Leave him a note saying, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. Write an encouraging note to as many neighbors as you can. The old handwritten note does go a long way. Create a prayer box and let your neighbors know you will be praying for them. I want you to know that's what they did, and it works great. You might want to coordinate it. There's several other Calvary people in your neighborhood, and you might want to realize not everybody in the neighborhood is going to like it. Take it serious if you're going to do it. And kids, I want to invite you this one. Create a note drawing, inviting someone to church, and hand deliver it to them. Why? Because it goes a lot farther than if I do that. Because I'll get rejected a lot, but if you take a five-year-old, a four-year-old kid who writes a beautiful note or a handwritten note and say, would you come to church with me? They'll be like, oh, I can't say no, and that's good. Maybe they'll come to church. Maybe they'll find God because of your faithfulness. Share your story of what Christ is doing in your life with at least one person this week. Why? Because God is love. I want you to remember what it's like to really believe that this world can have love. Because everything in our media says it doesn't. Everything we've been taught seems to contradict it. You don't have to close yourself off. You don't have to guard yourself off and wall, assuming that everyone's going to stab you in the back. Let's be the abnormal instead of the norm. Let's be a little crazy and say, I'm going to love you even. Let's look outside the boundaries that this world has set up, the hedges of our protection, and break them down and trust that we are put here and placed here to be a beacon of hope, a beacon of light, a beacon of joy into this world, a beacon of love because God loved us. And let us take them, Jesus. How do we do that? We surrender. We surrender to what God wants to do in our life. We learn to love and we receive love and then we give it away. But you got to get up and do it. What do you think? Does that sound fun? Let's do it this week. Father, help us to feel loved. Your love. Help us to feel your encouragement, your peace. Help us to feel your strength, your hope. God, for those who are broken and bruised, battered and need healing, we pray for your presence to be overwhelming. 
We pray for you to close the wounds that this world has created. And that as the scabs fall, they will eventually fall away. And that our scars would help remind us of how you healed us. God, I, I don't ask for the trouble of this world to go away, but I do ask for your peace to help us through that trouble. And a reminder of how we need to share what we know because this world needs you too. And when the world is being, when the world rises up and is filled of anger, animosity, I pray and ask that you give us sympathy and empathy knowing that the anger comes because no one has loved them well. And we fight through their anger and show them that they can be loved by you too. So God, break down the walls, send revival, send us your presence, and make us love. In your holy and righteous name we pray, the power that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, who is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the healer, our source of hope, our source of strength, the banner over us, the righteous one, the holy one, the God, the Father, the Son, the name of Jesus. Amen.